This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Pod of Tea. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your own podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out! Welcome to A Pod of Tea Podcast, your go-to place for teas and chats. I'm your host, Emma, and I have some special guests on today. There are three of us. It's very unusual. I have got Tom and Amy from Nella Nella. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to my virtual tea room. So, I mean, this all started because Tom, you, you reached out on Instagram, I think. Was it yourself? Yes, yeah, I think I, well, I think Amy discovered you originally and then I sent you the message, but yes, yeah, we yeah. Sort of came and, across um, it. I mean, I love it. I love just a, a can, can we have a tea and a chat? I'm always up for it. And um, I then looked at your, so Tom and Amy run, founded a tea company called Nella Nella, and I looked into it and it just sounds so unusual, like in a really brilliant way. Like I've not heard of, of this kind of tea before. So I'm super excited to hear what you guys have got to say. Do you have a cup of tea? We did. We confess we've already poured our we've pot. Cheated. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> a good move. A good, a good strong move. Always, I'm going to wait for mine to brew a bit more. I think we've always got a, a tea on the go at all times of day. So. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I had one, I think, about 10 minutes before. <laughs> so did we. It's just needed, isn't it? So I'm actually having one of your teas. Hooray. I'm going to try the fermented mulberry leaf tea. Ooh, an exciting choice. It is. A, yeah, I, um, I think it's a great choice for the evening as well. Is it? Okay. So because what was exciting is so all of these are caffeine free that I've seen. So that's, you know, quite nice. It is the evening right now, dear listeners. So <laughs> it's a good move. What, what are you guys drinking? We've got blackberry leaf. So the yeah, the rolled blackberry leaf which tastes very similar to black tea it's got like have you tried it yet I tried that one yeah yeah I'm glad you said that I haven't tried the blueberry leaf yet Mm. that the the blueberry leaf's also a good one but yeah the so in Georgia we we were on a weekend trip in the woods um near Tbilisi like the the three of us it's three of us actually that founded Nella Nella went on a weekend trip and Tim had dug into the backs, back of the bazaar in Tbilisi and found these fermented rolled leaf teas. Uh, and he took them on the trip and we couldn't believe that they weren't, but it was blueberry that he took with him. And we couldn't believe that it wasn't a black tea. Like it's, although it's not, so it's not made from the tea plant, it's made from blueberry leaves, but it's processed in the same way. So it has like, they have much stronger flavours than most herbal teas, which is why we love them so much. That's, yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. So you know, I've, I've had fruit teas before and mm. things like that. And and when I drank the, I think because it's got the word blackberry, so the blackberry tea, because it's got blackberry in it. When I tried it, I was I was assuming, even though I knew it was the leaves, <laughs> I was mm. assuming that I was going to get that fruity taste. And it was, um, dare I say, savoury in the taste and it that is, like kind it? of more 
that that satisfying way uh, a, a, you know what for me is a standard cup of tea is and that was really that was really fun you know it's been really difficult trying to communicate that as well for exactly the reason you know it says blackberry so so you know immediately you're going to these fruity thoughts and the sweet and then and then sort of bright red bright red hibiscus based fruit teas <laughs> kind of in your mind and then and then you have something that's basically a black tea but uh yeah i mean we, we, we love them just because it's it's like having a black tea but caffeine free and um and and I think that's something that's missing to have the natural sort of a natural alternative rather than these sort of bright red, candy filled ones like your famous mm. T Rex that you had the other day. <laughs> oh, you listened! Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that that, that was a, a sweet treat <laughs> to say the but, least. Yeah. We, we just find it crazy, you know, that Georgia is the only place that has this culture of taking wild leaves that are not the tea plant and making them in into actual teas, like ro- withering, uh, rolling and oxidizing, fermenting them. Like there is, like pucker tea, for example, or most herbal teas, they just dry the leaves and that, and sometimes they add flavorings. But in Georgia, they have this tradition where they, they roll the leaves and it just, it really changes the taste. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Now with Georgia, on that note, so when, when I first saw Georgia, I naturally thought, is it a state? My geography is awful. Yeah, but in America. Common, <laughs> common and then Tom, I think I'm, you mentioned, did someone cycle there? I did. Amy, did. Yeah. Amy, you cycled there from the UK and I was sat here like, you cycled to America? <laughs> <laughs> Across the state. <laughs> I should have done this as a wizard. So this is, yeah, but Georgia, we're not talking America here. We are talking a country in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's between Russia, Turkey, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Um, so like right on the border of Europe and Asia. And actually, a lot of people don't know that during the Soviet Union, it was the world's fourth largest producer of tea. Like they produced huge quantities of tea for, for Russia and the former Soviet countries. And then when the when the union collapsed, the tea industry went with it. So they've got all of these tea bushes everywhere, um, just blanketing the hills that are not being not being used anymore and are just strangled by ferns and munched even, on by cows. <laughs> yeah, even in the village, we, we moved into a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere. And even there, there were just abandoned plantations where, where people would graze their cattle. Just, you know, I mean, imagine just cows eating these fine, fine tea tips that would be worth a fortune if you could uh, package them up and um, and, and sell them as fancy white tea. Wow, that I mean, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be a cow of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I didn't know that at all. So the people who the the tea that we're drinking now yeah. was that did that sort of come about when the tea plantation started as well? No one could tell us exactly when it started, but people think that it may have been inspired by tea merchants that travelled along the Silk Road, because originally it wasn't made in machines, it was hand-rolled. Um, so mountainous communities would would hand-roll their tea. And still do, actually. And still do, yeah. And and mo- all of the tea makers we met, they said that, you know, it's been made for as long as anybody can remember, and that potentially it was because lots of tea merchants were traveling through on the Silk Road and would have had tea and people would have drunk tea but they wouldn't have had tea bushes so they would have learned how to make it and then just taken plants that they had around them yeah and it's been drunk medicinally in Georgia for that for a long time in in the mountains so, ah. yeah. yeah what kind of medicinal <laughs> I mean it's also one of those things that no one can quite tell us yeah. essentially uh, it's, it's it's good as soon as you've got the tiniest bit of sniffle immediately the blueberry leaf tea comes out and that's uh, that's what it's most known for they'll, they'll literally have a bot a pot that um sits on the stove for hours and hours and hours just bubbling away getting stronger and stronger and stronger 
and then they'll serve this thick black, um, you know, so so strong it's really black and opaque, and and you'll serve that diluted down with water again. Um, but yeah, they serve that for just about any kind of ailment or you know if you're feeling a bit unwell, that's that's what they go for. I needed this last week. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like the Lucasade. Well, I suppose you can dry both your paracetamol in in a blueberry leaf tea powder. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So what what took you to to Georgia in the first place. Well, um, for Amy, we, the yeah, bike. We, we were both doing set. We didn't know each other before we both arrived in Georgia. So I wanted to cycle to Singapore. That was my destination. I was sick of my office. I was working in Singapore actually. I was sick of my job and just wanted to do something different. So I moved back to my parents. Uh, this is what three, three and a half years ago now, uh, and decided I'm. I'm going to set off on my bike and then I got to Georgia and stopped for winter and winter became three years <laughs> so <laughs> but it's an amazing country really it's um it has its hardships and its problems but um it's it's retained a lot of very beautiful things that I think we've lost in this country like in the traditional way of life in the countryside and the the self-sufficiency and and, you know, you, I learned in the village that the, ca- the cows really do come home at five o'clock. And on, in Tbilisi, you don't have big, so many big supermarkets. You mostly shop with um, small vegetable stalls on the street. And it's just got a really amazing, yeah, uh, it's a very, it's a country with a lot of depth. Mm. Now, and actually, on, in one of your previous podcasts, I can't remember which one, you were talking about the joy of just a piece of bread. And the bread in Georgia, you've got mm. to go there. You've got to go there to the bakery. When they pull out their fresh tonis puri, it's the most incredible. I mean, half of it's gone by the time you get home because it's just so Moorishly nibbly. That, uh, <laughs> you just have to eat it. Uh, it's, it's, but yeah, just pure bread with nothing on it. But that's a very superficial level, of course. But uh, well, I don't yeah, know. Bread, be... bread is important. Bread's are very deep. Bread's very yeah. important. I mean, a lot of my, if I'm going to take a trip somewhere, food tends to be quite a defining factor <laughs> <laughs> on my entire day. I actually now want to go there. What did you say? Moorishly nibbly. Morris Nibbly, yes, that was my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going. Oh, I'm going to pause it. I'm, never, I'm not going to live that phrase down now. <laughs> no, Morrisley Nibbly can be the quote. <laughs> the quote that's at the end of this. I'm just having a pour now of the mulberry tea. I didn't want to interrupt the talking with it. So there we are. Um, Tom, what took you to Georgia? Uh, so I was, it's in some ways, quite a similar story. I mean, again, we didn't know each other at that point, but I was quite quite burnt out after I'd I'd had a disastrous final year doing a master's at university, and I realised that it was a great opportunity to take a one year one year time out before before entering an office until I was sixty five. So yeah, I took one one year off. And that trip again, it also became three years. Oh my god! So I was I was primarily trying to do a hiking trip across Europe, and and I wanted to explore the southeast and the Balkans, particularly, especially Bosnia. And while I was there, I got involved in a in a, a project to visit some war graves, which took me from one country to the next. And eventually, I ended up in Turkey. And in Turkey, I met someone who invited me to stay in the southeast of Turkey. And then while I was there, uh, my godfather's wife had been Georgian. And I'd last heard from them about 12, 15 years ago, something like that, when he died. And uh, so I had in the back of my mind, I knew about this country, Georgia. And actually, while I'd been in Turkey, I'd wanted to visit the tea growing regions of Turkey. And then I discovered there was a tea industry in Georgia. So actually, already at that point, I already had it in my mind to visit uh, visit some tea plantations, but I didn't have a clue what was going to come. That was the main motivation, though. Well, a Christmas, a Christmas pudding was the, the, the main key to this story. 
A so it was around pudding. Christmas time. It <laughs> yes. was it was around Christmas time, and I'd been travelling a long time, and I wanted somewhere to settle down and have a nice place for Christmas. And I thought, well, going back through Turkey, you know, you're not really going to celebrate Christmas in a in a primarily Muslim country. So I thought, well, surely George is the solution. So I ended up volunteering at our friend's hostel, a place called Karma Karma Hostel in Markville. It was still a house then. It was absolutely filthy filthy house that had been abandoned for 15 years and I and I helped them transform it into a really cool backpackers hostel but the thing was that I'd really wanted a place to make a Christmas pudding because I really <laughs> needed Christmas pudding that year so I had to improvise with the ingredients because you can't find suet there and you can't find you know all the right dried fruits and the spices and whatever so I sort of improvised a carrot based sort of steamed carrot cake which was an interesting experience <laughs> But yeah, that was my Christmas pudding that took me to Georgia. And, and then, <laughs> you know, was it worth? Month, is it like a recipe worth worth putting I, your name well, on? It was kind of like a, a soggy cinnamon carrot cake, oh. I suppose, <laughs> with a lot of cha-cha on top, which um, which is a lethal Georgian spirit of at least sixty percent oh. alcohol. Um, but that was that was what flamed it that year. <laughs> This is brilliant. So what took you there was an escape from Singapore on a bike mm-hmm. and the desire for Christmas pudding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is how Nella Nella was born. This is fantastic. Um, I'm now gonna I'm gonna have a sip of this mulberry tea. I don't think I've ever had a mulberry before. I'm trying to think. No, I don't think they're very common in the UK. And in Georgia, they are relatively common in the in rural regions i think because they of the silk industry so lots of uh there were a lot of mulberry trees planted as food for silkworms um so yeah they use the leaves from those trees for the tea right the fruits are delicious too are they yeah. i think the only thing i know is that the nursery rhyme we would have had a lot in the UK. So actually, in the 17th century, I think the 17th or 15th century, uh, 16th century, there was actually a royal decree went out to plant mulberry uh, mulberry trees. I think they wanted to boost the silk industry, ah. but factually this this part of the myth is counteracted by the fact that everyone knew that white mulberry leaves yeah the leaves of the white mulberry tree are what silkworms need to eat but the trees that were primarily planted in this country were black mulberries so there's a bit of confusion over the history of mulberry trees in this country i was looking into this because i was looking at the precedent for growing mulberries because we're thinking of uh, at some point growing a forest garden with with these um fermented fruit leaf tree uh, teas but so I was looking to the history of this and, and it was a bit of contentious history but in some places there are a few in London and a few scattered around you can find black mulberry trees but very few white mulberry bushes uh, which are which are what the what you get in Georgia and apparently Teppo was telling me uh, this uh, someone I know was just telling me the other day that um, in fact the Caucasian white mulberry is a separate sub sub cultivar as well which is quite particular and it grows a bit smaller and more bushy than um, than the classic conventional a uh, white mulberry tree from the silk industry of China. But anyway, yeah, that's a bit of mulberry trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated it. How are you it's, finding the tea? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a, like, again, I was very, I was just surprised by the taste there. I like weirdly got a, a slight wave of banana, which is not, I think. Oh, wow, that's, that's a good that's one. Mm. But um, yeah, again, it's that it's not sweet. It's not fruity at all. It's that kind of like satisfying, savoury taste. I saw on the back, I don't actually know, what is yerba mate? Ah, yerba mate is this ah. um, South American, so it's a South American tea-like drink. I mean, it, in, in the broad sense of tea, it's tea, but it's not from the tea bush again. And um, it is 
highly caffeinated and I think and it's 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 sort of the stimulant of choice in South America so ah. you can often find people who've been around the hippie trail because they'll be carrying their sort of bowl of bowl of mate and you with drink it through a, through a special yeah. straw with a tea filter on the bottom yeah. so you you have sort of at the bottom you have all of the leaves sink to the bottom and there's a very strong section there and then and then the straw has a filter in the bottom so you're drinking it out of the bottom straight off the leaves uh, and it's really quite it's quite good it's quite delicious quite like a similar a bit to a green tea but mm. but a different flavor it's kind of green tea vibe though okay i now want to try that as well yeah it might be one for a future podcast <laughs> i, I think so but I, yeah i'm seeing here you've written malt and dark chocolate i get that definitely mm -hmm. i think that yeah Especially. with that like weird banana thing that i had going on there i feel like that kind of chocolate dark chocolate always has an almost ever so slightly fruity edge to it i always find like when yes. it's like a good dark chocolate it's a good one I mean, don't get. I mean, I'm I'm here for a Bourneville any day, of the week, but like, <laughs> you know, like a really nice dark. That's really lovely. I I think when when I saw that you had said it, it's very tea-like, I wondered would I want to put milk in it, mm. um, or any you know various types of milk that we have now. But I don't. <laughs> would you, would you ever do that? We've tried the. We've tried a few of them. I mean, we've tried them all with milk. I think at this point. Yeah. Um And the. Some of them you can kind of you can get away with it if you're really addicted to a, a milky tea vibe. Um, I keep saying vibe, a milky tea kind of experience. But um, I mean, they don't they don't really excel with milk. It's not sort of yeah. something that's that they're great with. But it, it works. You can you can do it, and it's not as bad as as, as something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really selling it here but no something we have tried that was good was um to do a mul mulberry mulberry leaf chai latte yeah if you do a little spice mix with your mulberry and then and then froth up some milk you can make a really nice uh, spicy mulberry mulberry chai latte oh i'm gonna have to try this but the, the blueberry and the blackberry they're 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 a bit too fruity to add milk to mm -hmm. really because although they are very similar to black tea they there is that fruit mm -hmm. undertone behind it i drank the blackberry with milk and I, I I liked it, but I wouldn't drink it that way by choice. I I think they're they're strong enough flavors without needing the milk. Like with a with a Yorkshire tea, which is my let's say normal my favorite mm -hmm. normal tea, you wouldn't want to drink it without milk. But these they 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 just have the fuller flavor, so you don't need it. You're right. That's the, those are the right words. The fuller flavor. That's that's absolutely it. And it feels like yeah, if I was to add milk now, it would just mask. Mm. A, a decent chunk of that and then I'd be, I'd be missing it it it's interesting because there's not like a tea that I'm I'm like falling back on of like oh it's like that like when you drink different teas that come from the tea plant because they're all so closely intertwined mm -hmm. you kind of mm. you, you're in familiar territory whereas this feels very unfamiliar but I'm enjoying it <laughs> but yeah that kind of like if you want to tick the box of a tea that doesn't have caffeine in but still has that satisfying like mm. earthiness to it and you don't want to, you know, go down. The, I mean, I love a red bush, but that's very different in itself. It is, isn't it? We were, I mean, one of one of our things before before tea, we were we were considering, we were thinking about non non alcohol alcohol alternatives because it's the same kind of deal there that when when you don't want to have something with alcohol, you often end up with very sweet fruity flavors, mm. and they're not quite as satisfying as say a beer or something. I mean, now you have non alcohol beers that are excellent, but. Um, it's kind of this same carryover philosophy with the tea where when you want a caffeine free tea, you know, you end up with blends that that are things like a pomegranate tea that when you look on the ingredients, it's 50 percent hibiscus, 
two percent pomegranate extract and and then um and, and, and it tastes numbers added in and e numbers <laughs> and, and it just tastes of sort of fruity water and it's not really quite the same deep satisfaction as a good cup of tea so, wow. so and that's what we we really felt that first time when we were hiking and and tim whipped out the the blueberry leaf tea i mean we just had that experience of this is a cup of tea and we thought this is a really interesting black tea what's what's that funny flavor and and it turned out that it was it was um made from blueberry leaves made from something totally yeah. different and it was kind of that moment of wow this is this is something totally different mm, completely different and like I never would have thought to look at a blueberry leaf and do anything with it mm. and I'm just thinking like with blackberries we have a lot of blackberries in the UK like I go pick them every autumn and so you know that that's talking about like the Georgian traditions of of looking what they've got around them and and being a bit more sort of like wild mm. and free with what they're they're using We've got that option here in a way, but we, yeah, just exactly. don't, we don't do it. So, so it'd be interesting to learn. <laughs> I, I, I personally made a batch, a very small batch of blackberry leaf tea um, after I got back to the UK. I, I tried hand rolling some and seeing what it, I, I can't, I, I don't have that level of skill. So that's that's mm-hmm. why we've got these uh, these two artisanal makers to do it for us, because it's a very skilled mm-hmm. thing to actually ferment these leaves to the correct amount. Mm-hmm. When I did it, it was just sort of a something bitter and vaguely mm-hmm. reminiscent of tea, but it was not not great whereas once you get that level of skill it's really something but we we want to learn as well we're planning to spend a couple of months maybe with them this summer uh because there's so we've heard that cherry leaf tea tastes like amaretto um (gasps) quince leaf we've had before this is delicious and this is a bit um almondy in taste fermented nettle has a very nutty taste as well which was really good so they they there's you know if you take the black tea making process and you you can actually combine that with with you know the the number of leaves is limitless. So <laughs> we'll be able so to experiment a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so and, and actually, I mean, one, the the the, um, the guy who makes the the blackberry and the mulberry leaf, um, you'll see on the box uh, about him. But uh, this guy called Shota, he's an avid experimenter. Pretty much every leaf we mention, he'll sort of have tried a little batch of it, and um, yeah, he's super up for making some for us this year as well. So yeah, we're quite looking forward to that. So is the the fermenting is the key thing? Is that- yes. So I've tried, for example, the mulberry leaf. I've tried an unfermented one from made by someone actually who has a silk farm on the other side of Georgia, and it was interesting. And I had two sips out of my cup, but it wasn't something that I would. I didn't want to finish my cup. Mm. Whereas I, I feel like the ones that we've got by having the fermentation process, it really just transforms it into a something else. It's it's the same same deal that goes between the difference between a white tea and a black tea is literally just this process mm-hmm. and and they're two totally different experiences mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of what it is yeah and and it it stops it from tasting quite so grassy like a, a blackberry leaf if you just dry it that's where you know and chamomile we're all very familiar with these quite grassy herbal tea flavors i think yeah. and it, it's the fermentation that takes it i mean you can it's still it's still a different taste to a black tea but it takes it closer in that direction because the leaf's been you know it's been the barrier has been broken down during the rolling and then it's been heated, which kind of brings out the flavour. So the, the colour difference between blackberry leaf fermented and non-fermented, it's like pale yellow if it's not fermented and the and dark when it when it's gone through that process. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at mine now and you could like you could say to me, that's that's, I don't know, Darjeeling. And I'd be like, yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Sure. And> it's... <laughs> 
it is it's that dark that dark rich color that's fascinating i mean i always say this is a tea adventure but like i have no idea <laughs> we <laughs> that there was this tradition of tea in georgia tea adventure when we set off adventuring yeah. either yeah it's been such a great journey like we went um in may last year we traveled all around georgia and met uh, family hand rolling blueberry leaf tea in the mountains near the turkish border and visited lots of different tea makers in in a few of the main team uh, main tea making regions and like one evening they invite they're all very close the community because it's so small the number of people that are now trying to revive the tea bushes and and get georgian tea uh, a bit more well known around the world and um yeah they invited us to a supra which is a traditional feast uh where like within an hour the table was was completely covered in so many dishes of food and they're toasting wines with glasses of wine and you have the tea makers standing up and reciting poetry and getting a guitar dropped off by some neighbours. And it's, it's just been such a fabulous experience to travel around and meet everybody involved in it. That sounds so great. <laughs> so how did, so is that, is it just that experience became quite transformative and you went, right, we're going to start a tea business? Well, I suppose I mean, we'd both been thinking of starting something at some point, and then and then we went on this hiking trip with with Tim and and discovered this stuff, and we thought just the world needs to to experience. Know about this. it. Yeah. And this was also on the back of of living in in the village in a place with really low, you know, as I said, there were these abandoned tea bushes in our village in in the middle of nowhere, and it was a place where we, you know, and we were lucky to be able to choose to live there, but the guys who were from the village, they they had very few employment opportunities, and yet they were sitting on this absolute gold mine of tea bushes. So you know, we also saw it as a as a way to kind of give back to the community a bit um, through yeah. through actually providing some kind of of market for for this tea and encouraging the industry that that has so much potential um, to do to do a lot of good for for, for the guys out there. Absolutely, because yeah, it's 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 all there waiting, like you say, it's all hidden mm. by the ferns and things, and it just takes. It all comes down to money, doesn't it? It's just like getting getting that rolling again. Yeah, and exactly. Getting people interested and, and in that they, product. They they also just don't know how to reach. They don't know how to sh- spread the word on their team. Mm. They a lot. Most tea makers don't speak English, and they just have a lot of people just have this idea that tea is worthless because it's the, the fields have sat like that for twenty years now. Oh. And and the last, I mean, the last stages of Soviet tea production, it was all about quantity over quality so it was a very low value product very low quality but you know now the bushes are still there they're even stronger than ever before because they've had that extra time to grow deeper roots and and become strong bushes and they you know if they were looked after correctly and you pick the right leaves in the correct way instead of going along with a hedge cutter then you can get very high quality teas that are totally organic from the last you know 30 years of not having any inputs and and many of them before that as well and so even just the conventional tea is it's got a huge potential uh, aside from aside from all of these fermented herbals that um you know that we've just really fallen in love with and and have discovered are totally totally unique to their tea culture mm. and i think that is what people are craving at the moment that that kind of mass produced side of things everyone's turning away from and mm-hmm. and you know like you say like you you have your your favorite brand of tea and that you kind of just stick with it and you go that's a good cup of tea and I have that whereas when it comes to stuff like this like you're saying artisanal makers people who have all this knowledge and and what they're making is so unique and skilled and mm-hmm. you know like like you said you can't just go to a blackberry bush and make it yourself it is, <laughs> yes, it, exactly. it is a skill people want that now like I certainly and, do and- 
the tea the tea industry i mean tea yeah around the world there is so many issues in the tea supply chain right and people we are so disconnected i mean we we've learned a lot about this just in the last 12 months and it's really staggering when you start to read a bit more deeply into the the state of the the tea industry and we're just so far removed from who's actually making our tea you know we've got this idea that it's the most british drink and and actually a lot of that goes back to colonial attitude yeah. they're still very much in place in the tea growing regions so we just want to kind of you know coffee and chocolate they've they've had their mo- their moments a bit and people are much more aware of the fact that they should be choosing single origin um, yeah. coffee because of the supply chain issues and yeah but with tea I think that a lot of people are just still quite they just don't think about who's making it and the fact that actually there's quite a lot of people suffering in our commodity tea that's sold in supermarkets so partly just to be able to you know by encouraging people to start waking up to the fact that there's actually so many interesting stories behind tea um, hopefully people will start to make slightly kinder choices Mm. um, and it's also so much of bigger worlds to world of teas to explore as well than yeah. just a, you know a tea bag with these imprisoned imprisoned tea dust that's swept off the floor of a factory that's yeah. um, you know pre pre brewed in the tears of of almost slave labour that's that's going on oh there. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, but it's you know I mean when I when I started this podcast I started it on the back of like oh I really like a cup of tea and I didn't really know what I was letting myself in for in terms of like learning about it all mm-hmm. I just you know so I'll talk I originally I thought I'd just you know have a load of chats while I drink a cup of tea and that would be that and then you just you find out more and more and more it's about it's it such a, so you can go so, as deep as you like it's mm-hmm. really and every culture has their own tea culture and it's yeah. one of those ancient drinks you know we've mm-hmm. been drinking it since time has been remembered or mm-hmm. been, yeah and it's just yeah it's been yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's that and it's it's something like you're saying that like every culture's got that that tea culture within it and it's such a shared thing it's like one of those um yeah. universal universally universally acknowledged things isn't it of just sitting down with a cup of tea with a loved one or a friend is very very yeah. satisfying and lovely it's something it's something we feel that you can really make i don't know you, you really make connections over tea whether it's whether it's back to yourself or um, or you know sitting down with someone else you know the first thing you do when someone walks into your house in this country is to offer them a cup of tea because it's it's a connecting a connecting piece but it's also something you know if you're having a bad day you'll go and make a cup of tea because it's it's that comforting thing that allows you to sort of connect back to yourself and and make everything better exactly I do find that like people come round and I go, do you want a cup of tea? And there's a little look of like, oh, gosh, where's this going? (laughs) 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 What kind would you like? What are you feeling? (laughs) Yeah, and and that's, you know, if if nothing else, that is a good reason to go get yourself some different teas (laughs) because it's really fun. It becomes for me, it's becoming as as exciting as going all like having different wines and different spirits and you know, it's just Absolutely as it just as fun ways, as all those things. More, it's even more diverse than that because there are so many different ways you can, you know, even just if you take oolong tea, there, there's about a million and one different ways of making just that one type, you know, what could be categorized as one type of tea. Mm. So it's, um, you know, and then you can get into the, the single origin, you know, where it's from, the soil type, whatever. But but ultimately, I mean, the thing that's important is that you enjoy it and it, it does yeah. something for you. And, that, and that's something that very much inspired even just the name the name of our tea, for example, is um, Nella Nella, which which means slowly, slowly in Georgian. And and the idea was this kind of idea of taking time, making connections, um, 
because it's a very common expression over there to, to mean, you know, it's to, to enjoy the small things in life that that take time. And, mm. uh, and yeah, tea is something that really fits into that when you when you sit down with a cup of tea to make those connections to, to yourself and to other people and, and that kind of that kind of general idea. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> that's so nice. I want to use Nella Nella as like as part of my like <laughs> thought process yes. now of like, slow down you're so right though it is that it's it's the moment of of you can just stop and have a bit of reflection and a bit of calm and amongst the storm and the nice thing about this one is there's no caffeine so you don't get jittery halfway through yeah exactly why am I sad here I should go do things um a friend of mine's place um back in Tbilisi and he'd just spent two months um no he'd actually spent the whole of lockdown um on a tea plantation because he was a computer programmer but he thought he wanted to just get out of it and and learn a bit more about tea so he went off to a tea plantation and and yeah we had a big session with one of the white teas that he'd made yeah by the end of that we'd probably drunk I don't know six seven eight cups of of that white tea in a session and yeah I definitely had the the caffeine jitters and <laughs> light-headed tea drunkenness as well I never really considered the caffeine and tea before I used to drink well, I mean I still do but at least the, it's different cups but I used to drink like probably about like seven or eight standard cups of tea a day mm. and just didn't really blink about like if I'd have drank that much coffee I'd have been like Emma what are you doing yeah. tea, yeah. you're like oh it's fine it's, it's really weird we tea. both find this as well that, that you can pretty much drink as many as you like whereas yeah. um but- but I never used to drink loose leaf until we started Nella Nella actually mm. and with with these ones I like the fact that you can make a big pot and you can just have it next to you on your desk and you can drink it all day and it you don't you know it's healthy it's a proper yeah I'm session my medicinal Jordan tea. <laughs> yes absolutely you know I've got one of those little stands and you put a, a um little tea light under it wow, that's great you know you just take the the fuser out of it and you can you can just leave it sat there and it doesn't overbrew I mean, mm. I've got a very decent pot. <laughs> yeah, I was admiring <laughs> that, that before. Which I shall be enjoying. <laughs> before. You're so right. It is that you can just you can just keep going. Whereas like I went somewhere um, the other day and it said unlimited coffee. And I was like, that's, you know, that is the price of one coffee for me. Because if I have more than one, I'll be bouncing. <laughs> it's too intense, yeah. isn't it? Unlimited tea would be a very dangerous move, wouldn't it? Oh you my gosh, I wouldn't leave. <laughs> Just <laughs> set up shop wherever it was. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I now am planning a trip to Georgia in my head because it just sounds yeah. great. It just sounds so like just the food i'm very hungry thinking oh, about it yeah, our first great. our first business meeting ever after we after we sat down and founded the company we had our first meeting with uh with some people who were doing they were doing mass um mass supply of fruit actually yeah they had different ideas to what we had but our first business meeting first business lunch was an ajaruli khachapuri which is this piece of very freshly baked bread where the middle is scooped out and replaced with just a puddle of molten cheese oh. and, a, and an egg cracked in the cracked inside at the end with two great big knobs of butter and you stir it around with the crusts of each end of the bread and and eat it and it's just absolutely incredible but you know you, you could give it could give an elephant a heart attack it is <laughs> <laughs> i'm just imagining that with a cup of this tea and it is that it's it's like you were saying amy about it it feels healthy <laughs> it's, like, it's like whenever i have a pizza with a bit of salad i'm like oh this is fine now <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we were reading that mulberry leaves apparently block uh mm. you you don't absorb bl- uh, sugar into your blood in the same way so apparently it's very good for diabetics so you can eat a piece of chocolate cake 
and drink a couple more we leave tea and it's fine <laughs> i think that's excellent advice. that's that's how we interpret it anyway <laughs> lovely i have chocolate in the fridge we're good to know <laughs> this is wonderful amazing well tom amy thank you so much for coming on the podcast i'm going to wrap it up there but it was just absolutely fascinating talking to you and just i feel like you've just opened up a whole new like section of tea for me here and i'm going to look to georgia now and just see what's going on a bit more yeah and i look forward to seeing what else nell and ella gets up to when you book your trip to georgia let us know and we'll uh we'll take you take you around some tea tea places Oh my gosh. Don't, I'm, I'm like, don't tempt me, Frodo. This just sounds, <laughs> sounds so great. Hello, this is Emma from the future interjecting on this podcast because we are about to wrap things up and forgot to mention where you can get some of this tea from. I would really recommend getting some if you can because it is very hard to describe this taste. It is very, very unusual. So you can buy it direct from their website, which is nella-nella.com and Nella is spelled N-E-L-A. Or I would also recommend giving them a little follow on Instagram. Their handle is nellanella.t because as they were saying, there are a lot of tea stories. And if you go on there, you can find out a bit more about these Georgian artisanal makers and a bit more about their journey. It's great. Anyway, back to the farewells and the podcast. Amazing. Okay, listeners, we're going to go plan our Georgia trip now. So, (laughs) yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Everyone who's listening, thank you for for listening to the podcast. We'll be back again in two weeks. Maybe I'll finally do the Builders episode. Will it ever happen? (laughs) Who knows? Um, (laughs) But, yes, thank you for listening. Bye to Tom and Amy. Bye. Bye. See you then.